What a privilege it is to worship with you today here at the Mount Pleasant Seventh-day Adventist Church. I was just thinking it's like a treat every year to come here. I started Julie. How long ago? That's right, he was in diapers. <laughs> yeah, five years ago, Julie first invited my dad to come here, and I had the privilege of coming with my dad here to hear my dad preach. And then every year, Julie called again, and I came with my dad, and then COVID came, and I came by myself, and now I'm with my wife. So it's like a wonderful tradition every year to be able to come here and worship with you. Um, before we begin, let's just bow our heads one more time for a word of prayer, shall we? Our dear Heavenly Father, we just want to welcome you once again into our presence and just ask that you bless us with your Holy Spirit. Please be with the words that I speak, that they come from you and from your word. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you look at the sky, what do you see? When you look at the sky, what do you see? That's a good answer. <laughs> What's that? Clouds. Puffy clouds. Blue sky. Stars at night. The sun. The moon. There's a lot to see in the sky, isn't there? I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles now to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, starting with verse 1. Matthew 16, verse 1. We'll read through verse 4. When you look at the sky, what do you see? Matthew 16, verse 1. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came up, and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. When you look at the sky, what do you see? My wife, Ani, has only been in the United States for a few months now, but I've heard a lot from her about the sky. Almost every day, several times a day, she'll point to the sky and say, Look, Andy! Look at those beautiful clouds! Look at that beautiful sky! We especially love to look at sunsets and sunrises. So beautiful here in Texas. Every sunset and every sunrise seems to be just different. No two are the same. It's like a master artist has taken a big paintbrush and just covered that canvas of the sky with beautiful hues of different colors. And there's some sunsets that just are really amazing to me. Have you ever seen a sunset that is just red? Like the whole sky is on fire. I see some nodding heads. The whole sky is on fire with just beautiful hues of orange and red. We like sunsets a lot. And for centuries, sailors and farmers also liked sunsets and sunrises a lot because they wanted to understand the weather. 
There's a saying in English that we're hinting to the name of today's sermon title. And that saying, you probably heard it before, red sky at night. You know it. <laughs> Sailor's delight. And red sky in the morning. You got it. Sailor's warning. When the sky is red at sunset, what does it mean? Safety. Safety. That's right. Most likely the weather will be fair the next day. And if you see a red sky in the morning, what's, what does that mean? Storming. Yep, storming. A storm was, is brewing. Sailors used these kind of sayings to be able to understand the weather as they navigated the ships through the seas. And farmers relied on this, the sky to predict rainfall and to know when to plant crops. And this idea of being able to use a sunrise and a sunset to interpret weather is not just weather lore, as I think you know. It's actually scientifically proven. I looked a bit this week and the last week as well online, and I saw in the Farmer's Almanac, it's very scientifically proven that most likely the color of the sunrise and the sunset will predict the weather for the next day. When you look at the sky, what do you see? Do you see a pretty sunset? Do you see an indication about the weather forecast? Some people look at the sky to try to understand who they are and to understand the future. There are satanic astrology signs and horoscopes that people think can tell them something about who they are and what's going to happen in the future. Some people don't even look at the sky ever in their whole lives. Perhaps they're too busy to look up. But Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, tells us the sky holds a treasure trove of information, not just about the weather, but about Jesus' plan of salvation for you and for me. Jesus' conversation here with the scribes and Pharisees teaches us today that we absolutely need here at the Mount Pleasant Seventh-day Adventist Church to have spiritual eyesight, to be able to look into the sky and to see the signs of the times. Let's take a quick, quick uh, closer look at this passage again. Let's look back at Matthew chapter 16, verse 1. It says, The Pharisees and the Sadducees came up, and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. This was a very unlikely encounter. The scribes, I mean, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were enemies. They always seemed to be at each other's throats. In contemporary terms, you could say that the Pharisees were far-left conservatives and the Sadducees were far-right liberals. And now, for the very time in the life of Jesus, they were teaming up. These bitter foes had joined forces to attack someone whom they saw as a mutual threat. Sinful men found unity in attacking the sinless Son of God. The Pharisees and Sadducees met Jesus just as his boat landed on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Why were they waiting for him? Jesus had just visited um, Decapolis on the eastern shore. 
Decapolis was a largely Gentile region where Jesus had cast out a legion of demons from two men in a cemetery nine or ten months earlier. And, as we know, at least one of those men had wanted to leave Decapolis and follow Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus told him? That's right, go and tell. He said, we can find that in Mark chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And this man went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Later, At the time of our story today, Jesus returned to Decapolis and thousands of people were waiting for him. These people were the result of this former demoniac's labors. He had proclaimed the great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed. So the people brought their sick and their disabled to Jesus on a mountaintop, on a mountainside. And Jesus healed them all, performing miracle after miracle. Then on the third day, The people ran out of food. I think you remember the story. And Jesus performed another miracle, taking seven loaves of bread and some fish and feeding the entire crowd of 4,000 men plus women and children. News of these incredible miracles had gone from the eastern shore all the way to the western shore and reached the ears of these Pharisees and Sadducees. And they they were waiting to meet Jesus because they wanted to silence him. They wanted to discredit Jesus as a fake. Most likely, these men had already known that just about nine months earlier, Jesus had also been quizzed by some religious leaders who wanted to discredit Jesus by asking Jesus for a sign from heaven. And that account is found in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus did not give those religious leaders any sign from heaven. He just said to them that the only sign they would get would be the sign of Jonah. And now the Pharisees and Sadducees probably expected Jesus to again refuse to give a sign. If he rebuffed their request, they could declare that he really was a fake. They could say that really the Son of God would be able to perform a sign from the sky. What kind of sign did they seek? By this time, as we just read, Jesus had performed many, many miracles. He showed that he had power over disease, over demons, over death, and over nature. But the Pharisees and Sadducees denied that these miracles proved that he was the Son of God. They said the science could have been performed with the help of Satan. Now they asked for something that they thought thought only God could do. A sign from heaven. The Greek word for heaven is the same word as the word for sky. So in essence, the Pharisees and Sadducees are saying, give us a sign from the sky. Prove to us that you are the Son of God. Perhaps they wanted a sign kind of like when Joshua caused the sun to stand still during battle in Canaan. Perhaps they wanted a sign from the sky like when Samuel caused thunder out of season when the Israelites asked for a king to rule over them. Or maybe they wanted a sign like when Elijah caused um, fire to come down from heaven on Mount Carmel. The Pharisees and Sadducees seemed to be saying to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, give us a sign from the sky. If you can't give us a sign from the sky, then you're not even as good as a prophet as Joshua or Samuel or Elijah. 
But the reality was that these Pharisees and Sadducees had already received many signs from the sky to show them that Jesus was the Son of God. They knew of the angels' song to the shepherds about the birth of Jesus. They knew that the star had led the wise men to Jesus in Bethlehem. They knew of the dove that descended from the sky and the voice that spoke from the sky at Jesus' baptism. And that that wasn't enough, in just less than a year, they would see another amazing sign from the sky. The noon sky would turn pitch black for three hours at Jesus' crucifixion. The Pharisees and Sadducees were blind to the signs from the sky that God had given as evidence that Jesus was his son. However, they had no problem interpreting other signs from the sky. Let's read Jesus' reply to them in Matthew chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. But Jesus replied to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? The Pharisees and Sadducees did not need a cell phone app or Doppler radar to predict the weather. They could look at the sunset or the sunrise and make a very accurate weather forecast, just like you did here today when I asked about that. No doubt they had their own version of the saying, red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor's warning. It could very well be that they met Jesus just as the sun was coming up at sunrise. We know that sometimes Jesus sailed at night and landed in the early morning. Remember when he calmed the storm at night and then he arrived in the early morning and was met by the demoniacs on the shore? I can just imagine the Pharisees and Sadducees approaching Jesus as he steps out of the boat at sunrise. The sun is casting a deep red glow in the sky. It's a beautiful sight, especially after the dark night. But the red glow is also a warning that a storm is on the horizon. Jesus points to this red sky and says, Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs of the times? With a red sunrise, the Pharisees and Sadducees would have known that a storm was brewing. With their repeated rejection of Jesus as the Son of God, they should have known that a storm was brewing. The last rays of God's mercy were shining on the nation of Israel, and soon dark storm clouds would gather overhead. The people were refusing to see the signs from the sky and accept Jesus as the Son of God, and as a result, they were facing destruction, both of their capital, Jerusalem, in 70 AD, and also as a nation dispersed to the corners of the earth. These religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, were skilled at interpreting the weather, but they were unable to interpret something much more important, spiritual truth. They lacked the spiritual eyesight to see that God, the Word, had become flesh and was dwelling among them. It is no wonder that Jesus on another occasion described them as blind guides, This time, Jesus describes them as something else. Let's read on in Matthew chapter 16, verse 4. Jesus says, 
An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. When Jesus spoke these words, he sighed deeply. The parallel account of the story in Mark chapter 8 describes this moment. It says, Jesus sighed deeply as he said the generation of his day would not get any sign except the sign of Jonah. Just as the preaching of Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so Jesus' preaching was assigned to his generation. In addition, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, Jesus would be in the heart of the earth for three days and then rise from the dead. Of course, Jesus has no problem giving signs to those who ask in faith and with a humble heart. After all, Gideon asked for a sign from the sky that God wanted him to deliver Israel. First, he put out the fleece and waited to see if it would be wet with dew. When it was, he asked for the fleece to be dry and the ground around it to be wet, and God granted both of Gideon's requests. King Hezekiah asked for a sign that he would be healed of his terminal illness, and God provided a sign from the sky. He caused the sun to go back ten steps. But a hardened and apostate people had no right to demand a sign. Jesus performed no miracle in the wilderness to convince Satan that he was the Son of God. And Jesus did not give signs to satisfy the demands of unbelief and pride in us. If the Pharisees and Sadducees had been given a sign, they would not have accepted it. The problem was that God had given many signs from the sky, but this generation refused to see and accept them. Perhaps they were too busy with other things. Perhaps they preferred to cling to their preconceived notions about the Messiah and his mission. Perhaps they were more interested in becoming experts in ordinary things like the weather than acquiring spiritual truth and discerning the signs of the times. The fact is, the Son of God was standing right in front of them, and they did not know him because they lacked the spiritual eyesight to look at the sky and see the signs of the times. It's like the children's story that we heard today. The Pharisees and Sadducees were traveling the road of life, and they were passing various road signs. There was a road sign of the angels proclaiming Jesus' birth to the shepherds. There was a road sign of a star pointing to the wise men, to the baby Jesus. There was a road sign of the descending dove and God's voice from heaven. These signs and many, many others pointed to Jesus' birth, his life, and his death. But the Pharisees and Sadducees chose not to see the road signs. It's like they were taking a journey and they ignored every single road sign that they passed on the side of the road. A driver wouldn't get very far ignoring the road signs here in Texas, would he or she? As Anya, as Anya pointed out, if they're all gone, there'd be a lot of chaos. I mean, can you imagine if I ignored if I had ignored all the road signs driving from Cleburne here to Mount Pleasant yesterday, and then when I got lost and there were no signs to point me where to go, I stopped the car and I said, "Okay, give me a road sign now. I need to know where I'm going. I'm waiting." It doesn't work that way, does it? Signs pointed to Jesus' first coming. Signs also point to his second coming. 
In describing the last days of Earth's history, Jesus spoke of signs from the sky in Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 and 30. We read that for the scripture reading. Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 and 30. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Where are we now in the course of earth's history. The tribulation of those days that we just read lasted for 1,260 years. It was the persecution of God's people by the medieval church. After the tribulation, an event known as a dark day took place. Partway through the morning of May 19, 1780, the sky turned yellow in New England and parts of eastern Canada. People and animals ran for cover. Darkness descended. By 11 a.m., it was so dark that people could only see with the light of a candle. Scientists still argue today about what actually caused that dark day. The BBC reported in 2012 that scientists have ruled out a solar eclipse or volcanic activity. The BBC report speculated that most likely the darkness was caused by heavy smoke from a forest fire. Eyewitnesses, however, have not reported smelling any smoke. And in fact, they spoke of a dark cloud that turned the entire sky pitch black for many hours. Then, an hour or two before evening, the sun reappeared, and the sky grew partially clear. But after sunset, dark clouds rolled in quickly again, and even though there was a almost full moon, the sky remained dark and terrifying, just as it had been earlier in the day. At about 9 p.m., the moon rose fully, but still it didn't give any light. And again, people could only see with their candles. After midnight, the darkness disappeared. And when the moon first shone, it had the appearance of blood. May 19, 1780 stands in history as the dark day. Since the time of Moses in Egypt, no period of darkness of such equal density, extent, and duration has ever been recorded. People wondered if it was the end of the world. Many turned to their Bibles for answers. And as they read, they found Jesus' prophecy that we just read just now in Matthew chapter 24, that the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. They also read John's prophecy in Revelation chapter 6 verse 12 that says, The sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. People believed that they had witnessed the fulfillment of prophecy in the Bible. As people studied the Bible, a belief grew that the dark day and the blood-red moon were signs pointing to Jesus' soon return. And one of the founders of the Advent movement, William Miller, was among those studying Bible prophecy. And I think you know, he believed that Jesus would return around 1843. Two years after William Miller began to preach about Jesus' soon return, another sign from the sky appeared. 
On November 13, 1833, stars fell from the sky in a great meteor shower. It was the most amazing display of falling stars that's ever been recorded. One witness said this, No language indeed can come up to the splendor and of that magnificent display. No one who did not witness it can form an adequate conception of its glory. It seemed as if the whole starry heavens had congregated at one point near the zenith and were simultaneously shooting forth with the velocity of lightning to every part of the horizon, and yet they were not exhausted. Thousands swiftly followed in the tracks of thousands as if created for the occasion. Most people again turned to the Bible for answers. And again, many believed that they had witnessed the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Indeed, the falling stars were the last sign from the sky that Jesus predicted before his second coming. The next sign in the sky will be Jesus' return. Matthew 24, verse 30 says, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. This, my friends, is great news. The signs from the sky have been fulfilled. Jesus is coming soon. My friends, we are traveling down the road of history. Humanity has passed road sign after road sign. These signs have included the descending dove and the dark day. These signs have included the wise men's star and the falling stars. These signs tell us that we have nearly reached our destination. But do we recognize the signs? When you look at the sky, what do you see? Do you see a beautiful sunrise? Do you see a weather forecast? Or are you so busy that you don't even look at the sky? Could it be that we are so busy that we have forgotten the signs of the times? Are we so blind that we, are cannot, that we cannot interpret the signs from the sky? Do we seek to gain knowledge about ordinary things at the expense of spiritual discernment? My friends, you and I need spiritual discernment. One day soon, a dark cloud will appear in the eastern sky. And unlike the dark day, it will not cover the whole earth or parts of the earth in darkness. Instead, this cloud will grow larger and larger and brighter and brighter. This cloud of glory that brings Jesus to the earth will be the sign of the Son of Man. Over this glorious cloud, there's going to be a beautiful rainbow. Underneath it, there will be lightning and rumblings of thunder. And in the very center of the cloud, we will see Jesus, our Lord, the Son of God. And he will say to us, You saw me with spiritual eyes, and now you see me with physical eyes. Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. And then we'll be caught up and join Jesus in the sky. That big, beautiful sky that gave us so many signs about him and his coming. 
Just as Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, he is asking you and me today, do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs of the times? Do you want to be able to look at the sky and see the signs of the times? Do you long for spiritual eyesight? If this is your desire, would you join me in raising your hand? Praise God. Let's pray and ask God for that right now. Our dear Heavenly Father, we see the sky, and it's beautiful, but we also see now that there have been many signs in the sky that we may have ignored, we may have not seen, may have forgotten, or we may not have discerned spiritually. We ask you now for spiritual discernment. We ask for spiritual eyesight. We know that we are living in the end of this earth's history. The last thing that we'll see in the sky, the last sign that remains to be fulfilled, as it were, is your actual coming, dear Jesus. Please give us spiritual discernment to see the things that are important, to see you and to share you with others. You've seen our hands, and we commit you now to fulfilling in us the miracle of spiritual sight. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.